listening to Jeremy White and Sneaky Joe DiBiase. We haven't had like a perfect weather week, I would say, since I've been back, or even right before that. Like, give me where am I? Where am I? Clear seventies, no rain, and no you know smoke. Jeremy White. You want a full seven days of that? Are you like charting a pitcher with a perfect game? Oh, uh, 68 and a cloud. Yeah, what I've got is it's I've got not a, a perfect week anymore. Sneaky Joe DiBiase. I've got a weather team right now that keeps collapsing in the third quarter. You should just create a website and, like, the Jeff Sagarin ratings for college basketball, right? Isn't that a guy who just <laughs> yeah. created his own system? Just the DiBiase, DiBiase Weather Patrol.com. Not WGR. I just want low 70s and sunny without smoke. That's it. Sports Radio 550. Hey, good morning. Jeremy with you. Joe's out today. Speaking of weather, have you seen Josh, Josh Schmidt producing, have you seen what's going to happen tomorrow with the weather? Uh, isn't it going to be like 60 degrees? I just saw that. Is there something else? The, yes, there is a point where it will be 60 degrees. Pat Hammer had this. We're supposed to get a quick blast of winter again, but it's quick, and then it's nice again. So... If you, whatever, open up your own weather apps, and of course, trust the professionals, you'll see highs today, 62, tomorrow, 61, and then the weekend, you know, Friday, 49, 51, 62, 66 on Monday. Holy cow, right? But it's tomorrow that things go south. It's a, Tomorrow's high is 61 and the low is 23. Yeah, it's a big stretch. That's a that's a very broad scale. And what he pointed out is that noon, it'll be 63 degrees tomorrow. And by 2.30, it'll be about 36. So we're going to get uh, about a 40-degree drop for 12 to 24 hours tomorrow into Thursday. And then Friday's nice again. So, yeah, I guess that's not going to stack up. We'll have to ask Joe about his perfect weather week. But it was beautiful yesterday. Looks like it's going to be beautiful today, so hopefully you have a chance to get outside. Maybe some rain a little bit today. I busted out the smoker and the grill yesterday. Yeah, that's right. Some people do that all year long in the winter and everything. I, I, don't, I don't do it all year long. Smoked some wings, made up some steaks. I mean, you know, nothing, nothing better to make you feel like spring is around the corner. Granted, it's February 27th, but to be outside and making food outside and I'm raking garden beds and starting to think about how I'm going to get my backyard back in order after my dogs have destroyed it during the you know mud season. It still kind of is mud season. The ground's still kind of small or soft, not small, still kind of soft. And walking in my backyard is like walking on the surface of the moon. And there's just craters, spongy craters everywhere. That's what I'm Googling in the last 24 hours is what's the best way to reclaim my lawn small from my own dogs who just destroy it with you know the running and the legs and the feet and the stuff is there a way to do it outside of fencing it off so they can't even use it i don't know probably not but anyway good morning happy tuesday big show coming up today lots of stuff going on we've got sal capaccio checking in from the combine he'll join us at seven o'clock sabers head coach don granado at eight Matthew Collar, who talks and covers the Vikings in Minnesota, he'll join us at 8.30. And at 9 o'clock, Brent Axe, who talks Syracuse sports, to join us just to check in on the Syracuse basketball and football teams because, well, I kind of want to. And they've gone through big changes in these last 12 months. 
So check it in on that. With Matthew at 8.30, this is – so Matthew's a former producer of this show. So those of you that listen might remember him, know him, know his work. I sent him a text last night, which was basically, hey, uh, I want to start a segment called that football team is not going to do the stupid thing that people are pretending is smart, right? Like that'll be the name of the segment. Is this football team going to do a really dumb thing that people today are pretending is smart? And he said, I'm in. Because, of course, while I was gone, I had Friday off, I had Monday off. While I was gone, I, uh, Justin Jefferson's name is in is in trade talks. He was the wide receiver idea of the day yesterday. I heard that, and I was proud of you guys because that would have been my, I would have done that a hundred percent. His name gets in trade talks. Let's talk Justin Jefferson. I also thought that the Vikings have the chance have a chance to do the funniest thing ever and just trade Jefferson for Diggs right back. Um, Bill would have to give something up of that, of course, too. But I'm sorry. Justin Jefferson. Adam Rank had an article. I, I favorited this. I've got it linked. I've got things to talk about inside this article. Sentences of madness. That three trades that should happen this offseason, and it's Jefferson, Diggs, and Ayuk. And I I, 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 got, I got a question. I got a, anybody, anybody got an answer for me on this? What on earth do people think happens with wide receivers? It is no longer the receiver's fault, people. Why? Why? What? What is? What? Help! Justin Jefferson, the consensus best receiver in. Fo- oh yeah, just trade him because they don't want to pay him. What is everybody taking crazy pills? Am I taking crazy pills? How does this continue to happen? I have a couple theories. I started writing down like, all right, if I was asked by some sort of, I don't know, probably not a forensic scientist, can ask me how to figure out why receivers keep getting this treatment. I do have answers. And that is, okay, here you go. One, the good quarterbacks never move and never should. And the quarterbacks that aren't good enough do move. Like Russell Wilson, congratulations. Or um, Derek Carr's got another job. And this offseason, Justin Fields, will he get traded? Sure, probably. Who knows? It's not exactly, you know, universally compelling. But he probably will. Then there's the running back conversation, which is as dried up as it gets. Oh, should the Giants franchise tag Saquon Barkley? Should the Raiders keep Jacobs? The answer is like, yeah, they do for a year. And then this year there'll be no franchise tags for running backs. None. They're all just going to walk. So, all right, what other position matters? Is it tight end? No, there's only like six that people know. Well, now I'm left with the receiver. And... Apparently, every offseason is now going to be, hey, there's a team that has an awesome player. Maybe they'd be better off if they had a pick and a prospect instead, although there are no prospects. Maybe they'd be better off if they had a first and two seconds instead of, oh, I don't know, the best receiver in football. And whether it's the Bills with Diggs, which, you know, I know that's not quite Jefferson. It's not even really quite Ayuk based on age. But the we are at obsession, and maybe it's a good thing. Maybe I can, I don't know, relate to a lot of people that are just on the wide receiver train and want to trade him and want to move him, want to get him. Let's get Justin Jefferson on the pick your team. Who? Where would they possibly trade him? To the Texans? Think about it. They don't want to pay him. They're going to trade Justin Jefferson. The entire existence of a general manager of a team is to find players 
that are literally irreplaceable, and then you find them and you th- you talk about trading them? Doesn't make any sense. So I'm I'm just over here torn because I love all the talk about receivers, but now I've got everything from I mean Diggs hasn't spoken or hasn't made any sort of waves in a couple of weeks. So instead, fill that in with Ayuk and Jefferson trade chatter. And oh, by the way, A.J. Brown calling into the radio station in Philadelphia because they wouldn't stop speculating that he has a problem with Jalen Hurts. Like that's that's where we live now. It's it's wild. He calls in to say, Yes, I want to stay in Philly. I don't have a problem with Jalen Hurts, and it's leadership style. AJ Brown, I don't know if you saw this video or this clip. AJ Brown goes on a station, he calls in in Philly and basically says all of the same things that Stefan Diggs says, which are, uh, yes, I want to be there. Sometimes I get loud, sometimes I'm willing to have conversations people don't want to have. And, you know, meanwhile in Philly, they're just demanding that AJ Brown commit to them. It's it's funny. We 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 live in a a, a goofy time. Maybe it's because it's February. And the Combine hasn't kicked up. Of course, the Combine probably adds to all this. That's worth mentioning. Maybe it's because it's February and free agency hasn't begun yet. And, you know, once T. Higgins signs that franchise tag or Michael Pittman Jr. leaves or who knows. The draft is, of course, going to be a wide receiver-driven draft along with quarterbacks. But here we are, three trades that should happen. Ayuk, Justin Jefferson, and Stephon Diggs. I suppose we did a few years back have Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams and A.J. Brown and Marquise Brown to a lesser extent. He had some decently, whatever, some name recognition at the position did get moved. So, okay. I don't know if we should expect every year to be like that. But here we are. Jefferson. So, 8.30. Matthew, the question will be him. Uh, The Vikings aren't going to do that very stupid thing, right? Or they trade a first-round pick for Justin Jefferson. Or they're going to want two. It's nuts. Meanwhile, Sean McDermott spoke yesterday from the NFL Combine. And Sal's got a recap piece up on it. And he doubled down on talking about explosive plays. Some good quotes in here from McDermott. And I've heard the afternoon guys talk a little bit about whether or not we should take what McDermott said as him just saying it because he thinks people want to hear it versus how he really feels about it. And a couple things in here that McDermott mentioned from Sal's piece. You can check out the full piece at our website, WGR550.com. So McDermott cited data on drives that end in scores with or without explosive plays, saying usually a scoring drive has baked into it an explosive run or explosive pass or big-time penalty. And those numbers are, you know, out there from whether it's Pro Football Focus or any one of these you know, sites that's going to dig deep into the numbers, you are definitely more likely to get a score on a drive when you have an explosive play. And it's something that hindered the Bills. It's actually to Josh Allen's credit and some of the other players on the offense, it's to their credit that this team was able to score so many points despite really lacking in the explosive play department. They were 20th in the league in explosive plays. Which, it's bad. In what world should the Josh Allen Bills be limited to bottom half of the league in explosive plays? It is scary. (laughs) 
Ken Dorsey wasn't getting enough. Joe Brady came in. They didn't get enough either. So how do they fix it? Well, McDermott knows. He said of it, quote, more on this, the game's changing a little bit too, with defenses going to more with split safety looks and more zone versus man. It's forcing quarterbacks or offenses to be a little bit more patient. The value of run after catch is important. If you're going to throw it short, you'd better be able to take it from five yards to 15 or to 50, and I think that's important as well. The Bills had 49 pass plays of 20-plus yards. That was 19th in the league. And he said, McDermott said, it's part of us moving forward as we look to our, our roster and look at player acquisition, something we need to take a hard look at, he said back in January. So I've got Bean and McDermott talking about it, explosive plays. I've got a write-up from Joe Biscalia of The Athletic on the numbers on Stefan Diggs, which are scary. There's a, there's a glaring number on something Diggs had this season that – we'll want to talk about as well going forward. I'm, I'm going to commit it to memory. And it's not a Diggs problem. It's a Joe Brady question. So got that as well. I can give that to you right now, actually. It's just that in the playoff game against Kansas City, of course, there's the big, deep, deep ball that Diggs could not haul in, and that's on him. But on the rest of his targets, his average depth of target was 3.3 yards. And Joe pointed out his piece at the Athletic a couple weeks ago, maybe last week, that with Diggs, you have a, a, a receiver who has made his living down the field, intermediate, even you know over top of defenses. And while he dropped that one against the Chiefs, Allen missed him like five times during the season. And maybe if one of those deep shots was on target, we think less about the downfall or the slide or the lack of production from Diggs. If a couple of those get hit, maybe the drop rate doesn't seem as significant. Joe pointed out Diggs' drop rate was not much higher, was not much different than any other year in his career. Diggs looked like the true number one that stepped into an offense that didn't have an answer to get the ball down the field. Whether that's teams figuring them out and clamping down on him while taking their chances on Gabriel Davis, who would have a couple of zeros on the board, or if teams were just content to... You know, give the Bills the easy button over the middle to Shakir and Kincaid. And Shakir showed some ability for that run after catch, probably best on the team. But I've got McDermott talking about it again. And I think that's a, that's, that's a good thing. All the things that they now talk about needing and wanting would have been filled nicely by Zay Flowers last year. But of course, you know, Flowers goes before they pick. They move up and they take Kincaid. But I think it's a good sign that you've got McDermott again talking about it. I don't think it's lip service. I think they know they need it. It will be interesting what yak means to them, though, because from a, from a yak perspective, whether that's run after catch or yards after catch, which if, if you're a rack guy or a yak guy, which are you, Josh? Are you yak or rack? Yards after catch or run after catch? I think I'm more of a yak guy. I'm, me too. I'm I, I, I just, I don't know. I don't know what it is about it, but it just seems more <laughs> exciting. Yeah. Because <laughs> you could run a lot and only get one yard. Right. And what matters is the yard. <laughs> Yards after catch. Anyway, I'm a yak guy too. They talked about yak in Dorsey's first year a lot. They they really they wanted it. I mean, Isaiah McKenzie was supposed to be a yak boost for them. And it was going to be a different design to their offense that was going to maybe give them some yak yards. And that never really happened. Never really happened. Dorsey came in to an offense that was 32nd in the league in Yak, and they finished 31st. 
and then he never made it through year number two. So, you know, like, it'll be interesting to see what Yak means to them. Does that mean scheme? Does that mean guys that are going to break loose, that break tackles? Should I be thinking of the Yak King, he self-named him that, Malachi Corley in, you know, a day three pick? Maybe. That's a name you might want to familiarize yourself with if you're on the Bills' wide receiver train and you're thinking about the second receiver they'd want to draft. But all of it kind of adds up to, like, here, here we are again. Receivers are just dominating the offseason, as is, I guess, normal. Running backs are boring. Running backs don't get paid. There aren't even any first-round running backs in this draft. So I've got a league that's built on quarterbacks and receivers. And that means sometimes Justin Jefferson trade rumors pop up. And Brandon Ayuk says he wants to get paid. Diggs didn't really do much of anything. And the stories are out there. And then people ask him, how about these stories? It's wild. Fun times. Fun times. So we'll check in with Sal from the Combine coming up at the uh, top of next hour, 7 o'clock. Throughout the week, checking in with Combine people as well to see who has a lot to lose, who has a lot to gain. The Bills have already started some of their salary cap maneuvering. Connor McGovern, his deal has been restructured. The Bills freed up a little bit of space, nothing too crazy. There was also news over the weekend, before the weekend, that the increase in salary cap space, of course, helps the Bills get closer to being under the cap. I don't think it really helps them add anybody so much as it just helps them get more compliant because with more money in the uh, global pool of NFL finances, that probably means that pay players just get paid more. So whether that's quarterbacks, receivers, you know, when Michael Pittman gets paid like the fourth best receiver in football, maybe he goes that high. It, it's that it's the passage of time. It's something we're going to get a lot of these next couple of weeks. With more money into the system, a lot of guys are going to get paid more. Maybe even some guys get restructured. That's that's something to think about here. Is if you are if you're the Bills or any team that now has a little bit of extra money, some teams will commit that to, of course, extensions and not just commit it to free agency, but keeping the guys that you already have. Maybe you like the idea of extending Rasul Douglas, which the Bills could do to save cap space, and also you know, a player that they like. They could keep him for a little bit. He's got one year left on his deal. So the, uh, you know, the movement of this offseason, it's interesting. I wonder who the biggest name will be that moves. My guess is it'll be a, a name lesser than Justin Jefferson. Does that depend on what you consider lesser? Like, is Justin Fields a bigger name? He plays a position that's more important. Quarterback always runs the day. We know that. But all of it adds up to a fun offseason, and I, I think we got to keep our eye on, of course, the AFC, who goes where, how this all plays out. And for the Bills, just how much they are Locked in on explosive plays. In which case, I'm putting up a Twitter poll about this. Would you make this deal? No, it's not a deal for Justin Jefferson. Would you make this deal? I get the first two picks of the draft for the offense. You can do the rest of whatever you want with with the defense. I get the first two picks of the draft. All of the other offseason capital, you can do what you want. You could have every defensive end and safety and corner. You can have every defensive lineman, all your free agency dollars. I've got what looks like a pretty ready-made offense missing one piece for sure, a second piece maybe. I would I would lean more towards a second piece for sure. 
I need a, an outside receiver and then a guy to go in that keeps my offense always dynamic, no matter who's on the field and who's off the field. You give me my first and second on the on the offense, you can have the rest on the defense. Deal? Gotta ask that to McDermott. Maybe to Bean. Give me my two picks, you can have the rest. They'll have tons of assets. They have ten picks. That's eight picks on the defense. Free agency dollars spent there as well. And, you know, who's not happy? Going to be a challenge for Bean on what to do with their money and the biggest number, the biggest money they can spend. Will there be, you know, a depth receiver, a depth defensive tackle? Is it a Daquan Jones extension? These are some of the things, of course, that get kicked around as ideas. Daquan Jones is an important one. If they were to, if they're able to get that one done, that would check off a starting job and make the defensive tackle seem less desperate. Is there a receiver they could sign that is exactly that same level that would make them seem less desperate going in? We'll see. 803-0550-1888-550-2550. So, Sal Capaccio from the Combine, 7 o'clock. Sabres play tonight against the Florida Panthers. Don Granato joins us at 8. Of course, the news on the Sabres is great. Three straight wins. They've got their first three straight wins of the season. I saw a number that in the NHL this year, there have been 113 three-game win streaks. This is the Sabres' first. So that's, what, like three per team? And Sabres have their first. Okay, that's good news. We found out they're getting a new video board. They're getting a new roof. Insert joke here about you're putting a new roof on the wrong stadium. I mean, it's right out there if anybody wants it as a good line. Maybe not that line, but some version of it. And we had correspondence from the owner. Terry Pagula, Kevin Adams, a a letter to Sabres season ticket holders on the future. And in the announcement about a new video board and a new roof and a tent pole event, which many are speculating could be maybe another Winter Classic, maybe, I don't don't know about the All-Star game, I wonder where they, what, what, what would the NHL give them? Hey, here's an event to maybe help you with season tickets because, you know, like just first first thought on that. Hey, you started to rebound from a season ticket standpoint, then you had a bad season. We want to help you keep that. Here's a winter classic. Here's the the Four Nations tournament. Here's an All Star game. I, I just wonder what the NHL would do to get involved there. But they tease that a tent pole event. So I've got a new roof. Video board, tentpole event, and to me the most important thing that was in that entire letter to season ticket holders was a message that what has been happening is not good enough, which is something the Sabres have not often said. And to hear them say that is refreshing and, for me, encouraging. Though they had a great weekend just with wins and (laughs) with the letter to season ticket holders. It was great. So anyway, good morning. 803-0550-1888-550-2550. We'll check in on the Combine. We'll check in on Justin Jefferson. We'll check in with Don Granado as well. It's uh, me, Jeremy, Joe out today here on WGR.